Welcome into Inside the Pylon, the Quick Kicks podcast for Tuesday, January 19th. This is actually part one of the Tuesday podcast. We're going to be covering the AFC divisional round games during this podcast. We're going to have a second 15-minute one that we're actually going to be doing on the NFC games as well. So make sure you tune into that one if you uh, if you do want to check out everything we have to say on the NFC games. Uh, but since we only have 15 minutes here... Might as well get started welcoming in my co-host Mark Schofield. And Mark, I trust you had a uh, happy, healthy, and safe weekend watching all these great games. Yeah, and uh, just, you know, as we said going into this weekend, just a great weekend of football. And these games, for the most part, pretty much delivered. There was some interested in some stuff we didn't see coming. Um, so, yeah, it's just some great football to talk about. And I think, uh, you know, again, we're going to be touching on the AFC games here. We'll just do these in chronological order the way they came about here and probably starting with even though the score ended up close at the end of the game wasn't really a competitive game for most of it that new england win 27 to 20 over kansas city yeah and and this game reminded me a lot and you know, we had rich hill on to kind of preview this one for one of our quick kicks podcasts and we talked about you know we gave some predictions at the end and you know you you and rich thought it was gonna be close i thought it was gonna be more of a blowout but what this really ended up being was it reminded me a lot of some of those like playoff wins that the pats had years ago against you know the, the colts and peyton man and when it was like a 24 14 game and never really felt close but it was kind of like a one possession game at the end stuff like that i mean this game never really was in question after i think that almost that open and drive I mean, New England goes right down the field and scores, and they look like, okay, they're back. You know, that's kind of what you're thinking. And, you know, Kansas City, yeah, they, they scored near the end to make it a one-possession game, and it came down to the onside kick. But, I mean, did you ever really feel like Kansas City was going to come in there once that game started and come away with a win? No, and, and I think a good place to start is that first drive, actually, because New England comes out, first play of the game, Short pass right out to, uh, to Brandon LaFell right on the sideline. And then they come back with three straight targets to Julian Edelman. First one was a drop by Edelman, actually a little bit behind him there. And then two completions for 11 and 13 yards to Edelman. And I think this really speaks to the fact, A, they clearly just wanted to establish that he was there right off the bat. But look, it also just shows the importance of him to that offense. You're going on this 11-play, 80-yard drive here, chewing up almost five minutes of game time. It's huge to be able to showcase him right off the bat, I think. Yeah, and I think another thing that it illustrated was just how important Edelman is to that offense, and particularly their pass protection, because you know I, I saw a statistic. Time from snap to release in this game for Brady was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 2.1 seconds. Might have even been faster, but it was really quick, him getting the ball out. And Edelman plays such a huge role in that because of the routes he runs, because of the quick option routes that he likes to run a lot where he's in the slot, running the in-cuts, running in-and-out cuts, running whip routes. It really allows Brady to get the ball out of his hands quickly. It's not the kind of routes that you need for LaFell or Amendola or Gronkowski to kind of get open. And it, it helps them kind of get into a rhythm, helps them keep a clean pocket for Brady. And then when you got a chance to make a bit play deeper down the field or get the ball out to another receiver, he's got a chance to do that. But Edelman plays such a huge role in this offense, and if he's healthy, I mean, you got to give them a, a, you know, they're favored going into this game next week against Denver. Yeah, and, and looking at that, with when we talk about the offense and, and with Edelman, the, the additional options that he gives you there, and you talk about a guy like Rob Gronkowski, who, look, 
far and away, I think no one will argue that he's the best tight end in the league. But even with Edelman and Amendola hurt previously, you can see that when defenses are keying and rolling two or more defenders in his direction, it's tough for him to get rolling. And maybe some of that was due to injury. But coming into uh, this game here and really you know, coming out of it now, seven catches for 83 yards and two touchdowns, big day for the big guy too. Yeah, a big day for him. And like you said, you know, when you've got just Rob Gronkowski out there, yeah, Brandon LaFell is an NFL wide receiver. You know, Amendola is an NFL wide receiver. These are guys that are great wide receivers that can, you know, make plays in the passing game. But, you know, they don't scare you like a Julian Edelman does. They're not as integral to the offense like Julian Edelman. So teams could roll one or two guys in Gronkowski's direction, play man coverage across the board the rest of the way, and be pretty successful. But now you're not going to do that at least as much when Julian Edelman's lined up because that's Brady's go-to guy. I mean, when that you know when it's push the chips into the middle of the table kind of moments, that's who Brady kind of goes to right now. Yeah, and and clearly you're starting to see and and you know you, we saw the uh, reports that Edelman did go I think for a precautionary X-ray right. after the game, and it doesn't seem like much has come of that, but. Let's let's go and take a look at the other side of the ball here. And, and one item for concern that I did have, if I'm a Patriots fan coming out of this game, is the ability to defend the run. And specifically, when we talk about potentially, or now we know that the Patriots will be matched up heading out to Denver, a team that is going to have to rely on that run game to put up some consistent yardage. Was the way the Patriots defended the run here, giving up 135 yards on 32 carries, a cause for concern? I that's an interesting question. I think there are a couple of ways to look at it. One, it's the you know the standard you know Belichick will let you have something, but he's going to take away something that really scares him. You know, so there's a you can view it through that prism. But you know, looking at it and kind of spinning it forward, you know, the Chiefs' running game is predicated in part off of read option you know, zone read type stuff with Alex Smith's ability to keep the football and make plays on the edges. You're not going to have to worry about that next week, barring something sort of miraculous coming out of Denver. So you're going to face, you know, a running game that's just basically a zone style, zone blocking, you know, in that Kubiak, Shanahan, Gibbs kind of zone blocking scheme that they use up front. But you're not going to have to worry about 18 tucking it and going around the edge. No, you, so you can pretty no, you much don't. like, yeah, you can focus on C.G. Anderson and the other guys. You know, they're going to find rooms, you know, you have, you know, bend reads, cutbacks, things like that. You can have to worry about, but you don't have to worry about 18. So I think, you know, is the run game and their Patriots run defense something to be worried about? Definitely, but not in the way that we saw against Kansas City. So I'd be surprised to see sort of the same kind of success, and I'd be surprised to see the same kind of run defense schemes that New England rolled out there Saturday on this weekend. Yeah, and, and you did mention a key point at the beginning there that Belichick will often say, look, I'm going to try to take away what you're best at and make you beat me some other way. You talk about Travis Kelsey, and he's a guy that we had talked about coming into this game as really one of the best options for them in the passing game, especially with Jeremy Macklin clearly not right. at 100%. Yeah. Kelsey held to six catches for 23 yards here, less than four yards a catch, and when you're looking at this game from a scheme perspective, what did you see the Patriots doing to counter him? 
I mean, it wasn't so much what – it was kind of what we thought they would do. They, you know, a little bit of bracket coverage sometimes with a linebacker on him and Sean helping out. Um, there were times when, you know, Kansas City likes to do things where they try to get him isolated and three-by-one alignments to try to get him working in one-on-one coverage. So there was some of that. But, you know, it was – you know, try to get him with a safety with linebacker help or linebacker with safety help and try to, you know, bracket him in a way. And it, like you said, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. And the interesting question looking forward is, okay, now you're Bill Belichick and you're Matt Patricia and you're sitting there, you know, tonight, tomorrow night in the meeting rooms. What's the one thing you want to take away from this Denver offense right now? It's probably that run game, right? Yeah, because you, you look at this, and this will probably be a good segue to talking about what we saw out of the yeah. Broncos here, because I'm watching that Broncos game, and it was an offense that really, un- until that last drive, which, you know, you talk about the momentum after that Pittsburgh fumble right. at probably, what was it, the 25-30 yard line of Denver? Around the 30, I think, yeah. Right, right around there, and you talk about that offense up until that point, really had not shown the ability to move the ball through the air with any type of consistency. And, you know, you talk about it, and it's, you know how you get this feel for what, what an NFL caliber throw is, where it's, it almost has that, that precise rhythm to it, and you can tell that Peyton Manning's throws just don't have the zip, he's having to release them early, and I almost wonder if, you know, you talk about all the drops that Denver's receivers have, if some of that's almost just caused by them expecting the ball to be there and turning when it's, when it's not, it looked like there was an awful lot of that to me, is that something you saw at all? Yeah, it, it's where there was a throw that he made, I think, to Demarius Thomas on just, you know, a standard maybe 10, 12-yard curl. And it wasn't even like it was coming from the left hash to the right sideline. I mean, ball was on the middle of the field, maybe even the right hash mark. And Thomas was inside the number. So this wasn't a long throw. But, you know, Thomas runs the route, turns, and has to wait for it. And, and it's not even thrown on a line. It's kind of looped in there. There was another throw, I think on a second half, second quarter drive that Denver had before the half where he had two, Manning had two guys on the sideline and on a sale concept and couldn't even keep the throw in balance. So it's like he doesn't really have feel for it. You know, throws were just coming out funny. And if you look at that, you know, the, the game winning drive that they had, you know, there was the big pass where it looked like Manning was down or slid or whatever and then right. got up and there was a long catch and run. And then there was another basically catch to say, you know, throw to Sanders for maybe seven yards. The rest of it was basically the run game. I mean, and when's the last time you really saw a Peyton Manning playoff game that played out like that? Yeah, it's, it, it definitely has been a while. But spe- when we look at that run game, I got to say, C.J. Anderson has been very impressive with what he has been able to do in the second half of this season and in, in this game here. 15 carries, so not a ton of carries, but picking up 72 yards. And that Denver blocking scheme appears to be executing. We talk about the timing of the blocking in that blocking scheme. Everything appears to be clicking for them in the run game right now in terms of having everyone on the same page, knowing exactly what they need to do there. Right, and that's where Denver's home field comes into a, into play for them. It's such a huge advantage because you can wear down a defense, especially when you're you know you're running zone blocking schemes and you're a defensive end and you're getting cut on you know every other play and you know runs are going away from you and you're trying to chase them down and you're getting cut and you're playing at that altitude. It wears on a defense. It wears on a defensive front. So. You know, that's a big question that New England and Belichick and Patricia are going to have to answer is how do they kind of slow down that run game? Because it, it, you, know, you almost feel like they'd rather give up a three play, 80 yard touchdown drive through the air than a, you know, 12 play, 
drive that ends in a field goal because it's kind of like in boxing when you know you're getting hit with a jab and body shots they're not going to hurt you in the first round but come round eight come round nine like the fourth quarter of a football game that's when those kind of add up you bank those early it wears on you it wears on you and then you hit the big shot near the end were you surprised at all that pittsburgh it seemed to me for much of the game they were still only playing six or seven in the box for a lot of the game does it surprise you at all they weren't being more aggressive trying to stop the run that that's a very good point and you know i didn't really think about it at the time but like now that you mentioned it, looking back like yeah that's pretty surprising and again it wasn't like peyton was really showing you something to be afraid of in the passing game like there were drops sure but it wasn't like he was throwing the ball over all over the lot and guys were just you know just dropping perfect passes i mean these were you know, throws that were off the mark that maybe could have been caught. But again, there wasn't much in that passing game that, you know, really scared you. And I think, you know, we were talking about this during the game with, you know, everybody uh, inside the pylon. And, you know, up until that final drive, we were all just kind of like, this offense, it really doesn't look good right now. It's just not clicking the way you'd expect. The run game was good, but that passing game, there were just, there's still some question marks there. But let's, I want to be fair about this because as, as inefficient and as out of sync as this Denver offense looked here, you go back a couple weeks to the end of the regular season for the Patriots, and they looked pretty similar for a little while. And, That's true. And, and part of it is that, that they got some guys back. You did get Edelman back. You don't know exactly how healthy he is, but he was at least able to contribute. You got Sebastian Vollmer back able to contribute and stabilize the offensive line somewhat. But part of me, when I look ahead to this game, I wonder how the Pats' offensive line is going to stand up against arguably one of the best defensive fronts in the league here. That's going to be a major challenge for them. I mean, that's going to be you know, a huge challenge, but that gets us back to the return of Julian Edelman. You know, because if Brady's getting the ball out, you know, 1.75 seconds, 2.16 seconds on each snap, that press rush doesn't have a chance to get home. But, you know, with Edelman out of the lineup, that pass rush has a chance to get home because it, the plays last a little bit longer. Brady has the ball in his hands a little bit longer. So, again, health of Edelman is huge here. Again, it was a precautionary x-ray. He should be okay to go for Sunday. And if he's in that lineup, it just it makes New England's offense click just that much better up and down the line. Any concern for New England about the continued lack of a running game? Obviously, it, it starts and ends, I think, with the offensive line. Steven Jackson, uh, you know, clearly not, not the, the freshest tread on his tires right now. But is there a concern that, look, if this pass rush is, is coming at you and trying to get upfield, you don't necessarily have the draw game or the screen game to be able to slow them down? I mean, it's a concern, but these, we've had these questions about New England for years now, you know? I mean, haven't we always been like, man, that, that running game's just not quite there. I mean, there have been seasons when they had, like, you know, Blount would give them something on the ground. You know, when you think of Clock killing Corey Dillon, he gave them something on the ground, but it was usually something to, like, ice a game away or, you know, use a bad run ram in the second half of a game. They can get by with the occasional draw, the occasional screen, wide receiver screens, getting the Edelman in the end around game, which we saw, you know, they ran it against Kansas City. I wouldn't be surprised to see one or more of those against Denver. You know, they've been able to get around the lack of a, quote, traditional running game given the offense that they run. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them keep doing what they're doing and have success with it. 
Yeah, and this is going to be something. We're going to be covering uh, the previews for both of these championship round games on Thursday and Friday. So make sure you tune in to our podcast. Then we're also going to get, I think, a couple guests on just yep. to uh, make sure we have a nice roundtable on those. But, Mark, I think uh, we're just about wrapped up here uh, for the day on this one. Yeah, you know, you know AFC is down to two. And here we go, Brady Amano. Do you think anybody's going to write a story about that? There may be one or two. And what's funny is after all of the talk this year about, oh, is Denver flawed? Is New England flawed? We're still sitting here mid-January. They're the last two teams standing. Yeah, it almost seems fitting, though, doesn't it? It does. It doesn't. You have to figure if this is uh, whether it's the last ride of Peyton Manning or if we're getting close to that point, you know, it's 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 fitting to see them matching up in this championship game. So we will be out for uh, the rest of the day here. We do have our other NFC podcast that's out today as well. So make sure you check that out for Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield for the ITP Quick Kicks podcast. We'll see you later.